Welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We are your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And this is the season, season one finale. <laughs> I cannot believe that. I was telling someone earlier today that I think this is the longest and hardest I've ever worked on something that wasn't for school or for my job. Agreed. This is insane. Yeah. We did it. Wild. Uh, so... Coffee. 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 Um, I will I will take this for once because um this is cold brewed Yergeshefe that I cold brewed myself. I'm pretty proud of that. Um we we did actually listen to our, our poll that we put on Twitter. We are on Twitter, guys. Did you know? Amanda does an amazing job of running our Twitter account because <laughs> I'm a moron. Um You are not a moron. But anyway, it's it's Yergeshefe, and then we added our, our good friend San Pellegrino. Blood orange. That one. And then a splash of oat milk. And we have fancy glasses because we are fancy bitches because this is the season finale. There's a glass straw in everything. I feel very, like, put together. It gives me the illusion that I have my shit together. And we all need that illusion. It's an important illusion. Because <laughs> I definitely don't have my shit put together. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and I guess I, I will go ahead and give us the, um, the card of the day, too. Yeah. So, uh, to close out this season, I am, again, turning to the Wild Unknown Tarot to fucking drag my sorry ass. Because it do, it's actually, it's kind of cool. It's, it's sort of accurate to what I'm going to be talking about. Um, but I drew the Five of Pentacles, which is a card of anxiety and worry. It can be an indication of illness, um... But for the most part, it's very much like a, you you need some time to sit in stillness and quiet and just pull yourself together. And that has actually a little bit tie into um, a bit of what I'm talking about today. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's, I, I was kind of like, oh, that's eerily accurate. Okay. I love that. Yeah. So, Amanda, what's our, what's our season finale topic? All right. So... I still can't believe this is our 22nd episode. That is bonkers. Insane. Uh, And we couldn't finish out our first season without covering one of our favorite bits of modern folklore, cryptids. Cryptids. And I am so excited for this episode. You're going to hate me. Oh, no. That's okay. I I might actually horrify you for once. Yay! It's, wow. Wow. Again, my research took some turns. I'm excited. So to begin with, let's define the word cryptid. Okay. Per Wikipedia, quote, the term cryptid is used by proponents of cryptozoology, a pseudoscience, to refer to beings that cryptozoologists believe may in fact exist, but have not yet been discovered, end quote. Cool. Uh, Notable cryptids that I'm sure everyone's Mm -hmm. heard of are the Yeti. Yep. Bigfoot. Yep. Mothman. Yep. Uh, and side note, shout out to our friends over at Spooky Appalachia. 
you know, their site has covered a wide variety of cryptid and supernatural stories in the Appalachian region. And if you join their Discord server, you get occasional clips or screen grabs from the live cam at the Mothman statue in West Virginia. I need to go to their site more often and maybe join their Discord. It's it's a fun time. Yeah, I need to do that. Uh, and so for this episode, I thought about maybe covering Mothman. And then I was like, no, everyone and their brother has covered Mothman. And then I thought, oh, I'll cover the Jersey Devil. Yeah. No, everyone and their brothers covered the Jersey uh-huh. Devil. I thought Bigfoot, again. We're probably going to end up doing that one later. Yeah. Uh, and then I remembered that there is a cryptid much closer to home for the two of us, Corinne. Oh, are you doing what I think you're doing? I am. I am bringing us all right here to the Louisville metro area to talk about the Pope Lick Goatman. Somehow I forgot that that was a whole fucking thing. And you're like, <laughs> Corinne, you'll, you'll definitely guess what I'm doing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I don't know. We only mentioned like six episodes ago that eventually I would cover the Goatman. <laughs> no. It's gone. There's nothing going on in my head. No thoughts, head empty. So to begin with, we need to go back to the 1930s when, so one legend goes, because there are a couple different origins. A man named Colonel Beauregard Schildknecht. That's a name. A man who never actually served in any military anywhere. (laughs) Was the owner and ringmaster of a circus that traveled all over the southern United States. Okay. His reputation was not great. Less than stellar. Hmm? Less than stellar. Okay. He was known in the Carney circles as a liar, a cheat, and there were rumors that his group of freaks, geeks, and carnies were as quick to murder a demanding patron or rival performer as they were to entertain. I mean, you got to cover all your bases. This is, he's got the rage, honey. Yeah. So, you know, all around good start to a spooky cryptid story. <laughs> uh, one night when the circus was in Maryland, the bearded lady stumbled across a crying baby left abandoned in a crate near her tent. Sounds legit. When she unswaddled the child, she screamed. I mean, yeah, babies are horrifying. No offense. <laughs> no, it's it's fair. I love my son dearly, but looking back at pictures from his newborn stage when I was telling everyone he's the most perfect baby, I'm like, oh, my. There's a reason that, that I is... say, look at that, that, look at that baby you made. Yep. He's a real cute toddler, though. Anywho, she screamed when yeah. she unswaddled the child. The child had fur covering his lower body from the waist down, his legs tapering into cloven hooves. Hmm. On his forehead were little nubs, which grew into horns as he grew up. I'm making little horns Mm -hmm. with my fingers, but you can't see it because this is a podcast. Uh, The colonel took one look at the baby and dollar signs flashed in his eyes. Valid. Uh, The colonel took the child in and made him part of the circus show. (laughs) Circus. Sideshow attraction. That is a really difficult uh, two yeah. words together. Circus side. Oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do it. Circus side show. Yeah. Blim. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> um, our unsavory colonel, as you can probably guess, wasn't exactly father of the year material. What? He kept the child chained inside a metal cage when not actively running a show. Baby. And the other circus members would poke at the child, throw things at him in the cage, spit in his food, 
Uh, he was whipped daily to try to keep him submissive. Mean. And, you know, oddly enough, in an outcome no one could have predicted, uh, the goat man's temperament wasn't exactly sunshine and roses. What? As he grew up. What? That sounds fake. Yeah. So one dark and stormy night, the circus was on a train heading to a performance in Louisville when the train went over the Pope Lick Trestle Bridge. Yep. Have you ever been past that bridge? Yes, I have. It is so tall. It's real tall. It is terrifying. I don't think of myself as someone with the fear of heights. And it is so narrow. Uh-huh. And so high off the ground and entirely wooden. And I don't yep. like it. Yeah, we pass it on the way to my aunt and uncle's house. I hate it. Don't like it. Nope, I do not like it. Uh, so anyway, that dark and stormy night, lightning hit the tracks on the bridge, derailing the train. Yike. In the crash, the goat man's cage was broken open, and he took his revenge on the other survivors, <laughs> including the colonel, rending them limb from limb in a bloody mess. Good for him. Right? Good for him. Love a happy ending. Throw off the chains of your oppressors. <laughs> uh, and that's just one origin story. Other stories state that he's the product of a farmer who wanted to practice the occult. Okay. So said farmer had improper relations with a goat on his farm and presented that offspring in a ritual sacrifice, allowing the spirit of Baphomet to inhabit the goat-human hybrid, giving that demon a vessel with which to torment the earth. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that stupid, stupid Tumblr meme. It's Baphomet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just keep thinking of that scene in Drag Me to Hell where the spirit inhabits the goat and all of a sudden in this up to that point serious-ish movie, the goat just goes, you bitch. Didn't see that movie. Almost feel like it would be worth it for that one scene. (laughs) You can just look up that one scene. It's no context needed. It's just... Okay. So ridiculous. What is wrong with us? It's Sam Raimi. Like, I should have expected it. But anyway... Uh, I prefer the circus story because I'm a sucker for a revenge story yeah. and appreciate a lack of bestiality in my... Um, I appreciate that too. Fiction? Yeah. But that's just me. What? So as far as actual sightings of the goat man go, mm-hmm. that's where this gets weird to me. Okay. So in the legends and stories that are passed around, everyone knows the goat man is half goat, half human. Yes. Sometimes it's half sheep, half human, but he's still called the goat man. And like, you really need to to look at your life. To be fair, to be fair, goats and sheep, very closely related. If you go back far enough on archaeological digs, there is no difference. Fair. Um, But everyone knows that it can mimic voices and lure you over while sounding like your own mom if it wanted to. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that if you look at the monster, you will be so frightened that you would rather jump off of the trestle bridge than be in its presence for longer than a moment. Yeah. But I cannot find a single instance of anyone claiming to have seen the goat man in person. Interesting. And for me, that's what makes the goat man so interesting. Because, you know, people claim to have seen Bigfoot all the time. Yeah. People claim to have seen Mothman or the Jersey Devil or Chupacabras, Mm -hmm. etc., etc., And there's even alleged photographic proof of most cryptids that you hear told, you hear Mm -hmm. stories told about over and over. And, you know, hoaxes or not, that sort of photographic quote unquote proof uh, 
shows almost a sense of complacency about the cryptids because, you know, we can assume that Bigfoot is probably dangerous, but people don't have any issues trying to get close enough to take a picture yeah. and claiming they've succeeded. No one does that. I mean, to be or fair. if they do, we'll get to it. Yeah. To be fair, also, that uh, you could not pay me to go out on the public trestle. Because it's terrifying. I hate it. I am terrified of heights. Like, actively, major phobia for me. I'm not, and I hate it. It's awful. It's awful. Come to uh, Kentucky, guys. We're great. Truly, mm. we sell our state so well. Oh, yeah. So, when I think about him in comparison to Bigfoot, the goat man is much more sinister. Mm. Um, and I do have to say, this is the public goat man, not to be confused with, there's apparently another goat man in Maryland. I think I did know that. Um and while this goat man was found as a baby in Maryland, allegedly, they are not the same. I double-checked. Maybe they're related and we just don't know. Maybe. Maybe they're cousins. Sure. You know, Maryland Maryland feels like a cousin to Kentucky because Kentucky makes bourbon and Maryland has its own protected classification of rye. Yeah. So, yeah. Brothers in corn. I don't know. <laughs> on a (laughs) t-shirt shit i'm sorry i'm not that funny no you actually are that's the problem anyway more than a dozen deaths on or near the poplick trestle bridge have been attributed to the goat man's presence since 1980 okay people constantly go legend tripping which is the term for people searching out the truth behind cryptids and urban legends Mm -hmm. uh, to the bridge but no one even claims a blurry photo of something in the bushes might be the goat man. Yeah. And I don't know why, but that is the most unsettling part of the goat man myth to me is that the story holds so much fear for people that no one wants to believe that they've seen him. I, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think It's unsettling because cryptids are meant to exist in 90s Weekly World News magazine style photos next to the headlines about Bat Boy. Yeah. You know, they they shouldn't just be stories told around a fire, you know, flitting around the edges of tragic deaths. It it occurs to me we have a a very historically unique perspective on cryptids because of the time period in which we've grown up. Yes. Yes. Um, and, And that's fair. You know, I... I've not done too much digging into Bigfoot. I imagine that those stories go further back than yeah. photography. Um, but maybe not. It could be one of those where it's more recent than any of us think of. And, you know, yeah. again, we'll almost certainly do another cryptid episode. Oh, for sure. Worry not. For sure. Um, but, you know, as recently as 2019, mm. we have a death attributed to the goat man from someone who fell off the trestle bridge. And before I close out, because this is where I'm going to end, I do have to clear up a common misconception. Okay. Uh, For some reason, a lot of people think that the bridge is out of commission. It's not. That is a lie. It's not. As many as 20 trains go across that bridge daily. So the deaths on the bridge are less likely to come from a goat man's terrible visage 
uh, causing you to jump than they are from people legend tripping and jumping to avoid getting hit by a train. Yeah. So appreciate the legend. Go look at the park nearby. Walk under the bridge because you hate yourself. I don't know. I hate that bridge. I don't. It's really. Un- I hate. It's very it's unsettling. so unsettling. Um, you know, go to the acre wide outdoor escape room themed about the circus goatman legend that is open during Halloween. Just don't climb 50 feet up a wooden bridge frequented by machines who literally can't care about your life or death. Yeah, don't just don't do it, guys. It's wild. Don't 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 play on rail lines. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do the stupid things that we did as 90s children where your after-school teacher is like, no, go put a penny on the train track. There's a train coming. I didn't go to school close enough to any train tracks, so that was not a thing that I experienced. Uh, so that is my segment. All right. Okay, I guess that is me then. Got to find my notes. Okay. Um, so I'm going to get a little bit funky with my cryptid of choice. And yeah. then we are going to talk about cryptozoology a bit in general, because there is some very weird shit out there. I'm here for it. Yeah, it's, uh, well... It's interesting. So, to be honest, I very specifically wanted to pick a European cryptid because cryptid hunting can get a little colonizer-y. More on that later. Okay. So we're going to go with the Jackalope's Bavarian cousin, the Volpertinger. The what now? The Volpertinger. And I swear I did not pick this guy just because his name is fun to say. But it was a consideration. (laughs) Um, So the Volpertinger is a fucked up little rabbit or hare. Uh, He usually has wings antlers, and sometimes the body of a squirrel. Sometimes. Um, There is a really hilarious image on the Wikipedia page of an Albrecht Durer painting of a hare that has been modified to look like a Wolpertinger. Uh, It's pretty great. It has given me so much life. Amazing. Uh, There is also a taxidermied Wolpertinger, because this is uh, frequently a taxidermy hoax for for people's, they love it, uh, that is on that same page that looks like the bastard child of a platypus and a Furby. And I don't like it. Yeah, no. Anything Furby, I can't. It looks very Furby. It's very upsetting. Um, There are actually variants all across Germanic Europe of these horned rabbits. Interesting. Uh, Beyond alternate spellings of the Volpertinger's name, there's also an Austrian version called, I'm going to mispronounce this, the Rarackel. Um, Now, unfortunately for us, the Volpertinger is pretty solidly a hoax animal and outside of folklore probably doesn't really hunt as a cryptid anymore okay but that said there may be a scientific explanation for why horned bunnies and hares crop up so frequently Ooh, okay yeah and this is where it gets a little upsetting actually oh no yeah so scientists like richard shope and his colleague francis roos in the 1930s heard reports from hunters about horned rabbits and they were able to acquire samples from hunting parties uh, through some pretty clever testing, uh, they actually used porcelain filters, which is kind of cool because the porcelain will block out everything but viruses. Oh. Um, so they did this sort of testing to determine that whatever was causing the horns was probably a virus. Um, they would rub samples of the virus on otherwise unaffected rabbits, which caused these horns to grow on them as well. And if you injected samples into the rabbits instead of horns, uh, the rabbits got extremely aggressive forms of cancer. Oh, bunnies. Uh, so Shope's colleague, Roos, actually went on to win a Nobel Prize from his research linking certain viruses to cancer. And eventually, these growths were linked to the papillomavirus. And this whole research was actually springboarding into linking HPV to cervical cancer. 
with the added bonus of researchers realizing that nuns are less likely to get cervical cancer than married women. Yes. Because it is frequently caused by an STD. Yeah. So that is your vaguely horrifying but also sort of cool science fact for the day. Wild. Right? Yeah, I was I was looking on like this list of um uh, of different cryptids from Europe and Africa on Gizmodo of all places. Okay. And they have the Volpertinger, and I was like, that's cool. I, I can roll with that. And then I see like the this secondary link where they're talking about all of this research, and I was like, what? So my my research goes all kinds of weird places. I don't know if you've realized that I might ping pong around a little bit. Have you never listened to a single one of my segments? <laughs> Um, now that I've kind of talked a little bit about the Volpertinger, because he's a great little funky dude, I do want to talk about cryptozoology a little bit more in general. Because while I love it, and it is super cool, it can be a gateway to some pretty unsavory stuff. Um, while some cryptozoologists will hew very closely to the scientific method, most of them aren't trained zoologists. And to be clear, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, you don't have to have a degree in zoology to contribute to science. There's really cool citizen science projects out there that you can go out and support. Absolutely go check them out. Right. Uh, But on the whole, cryptozoology isn't really there for big science. And there is, in fact, a surprising link between subsets of cryptozoology and young earth creationism or new earth creationism. Oh, no. Yeah. Some folks looking for living dinosaurs are basically in it to disprove contemporary paleontology and biology because it's not biblically accurate. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I saw a line on, on Wikipedia of all places talking about um, the, the link between young earth creationism and cryptozoology. I was like, I have to dig into this. I'm glad you did, but I feel icky now. Oh, uh, it gets worse. So cryptozoological, uh, cryptozoological research lets people poo-poo on the knowledge and understanding of academia and feel like cool iconoclasts. It also borrows very heavily from the aesthetic of the age of exploration. You're out in the unexplored wilderness looking for charismatic megafauna. So cool, so dangerous. Except a lot of that Western framework for this kind of adventuring is pretty colonialist or neocolonialist in nature. Do your own research. Yeah. Um, the age of exploration aesthetic honestly hasn't aged that well, which is a pity because it, I love, I love like 1920s adventure movies. Oh, yeah. The Mummy? Yeah. Oh, my Top tier movie. My bio-awakening. Uh, anyway, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting all over cryptozoology. Because the world that seemed so big when we were very young is actually very small and fragile and interconnected. And it's okay to want to dream that not everything has been discovered yet. And that there are ecosystems that late-stage capitalism hasn't completely destroyed. <laughs> to quote... <laughs> Dark. Um, yeah, there's, there's an article that I linked to talking about the neocolonialism of, uh, Destination Discovery or something like that. I don't remember what show it was. Hold on. Let's scroll up to the top of my notes. Destination Truth. Mm. It's really, it's wild. Um, but yeah, to quote a scholar named Peter Dendel, cryptozoology thus fulfills an important role. It represents a quest for magic and wonder in a world many perceive as having lost its mystique. Uh, Peter Dundell was actually explicitly drawing connections between cryptozoology of the modern day and medieval bestiaries. Bestiaries. Oh. Uh, Like the way that the research is laid out for cryptozoology, like the field guides and the encyclopedias are very close to what you would see in a medieval... 
medieval bestiary. Want to hear me say that again? Interesting. It was a really cool article. Um, I downloaded it. I'll probably email it to you. Plus, the links are going to be in our notes. And again, to be fair, we are still discovering tons of new things all the time. It's just that, you know, it's usually like beetles, not previously undiscovered primates. And honestly, if there are any undiscovered megafauna left, they're probably at the bottom of the ocean and they can stay there because the ocean is terrifying. Damn straight. Mad props to anyone who's studying it because I could never. I find it fascinating. Nope. But there's a reason the deep sea horror books are... Terrifying? My go-to when I actually want to be scared. But yeah, so that is my section. Interesting. You know, I think, and this was years ago, but I've seen the, you know, one of those follow the money Mm -hmm. uh, breakdowns about, you know, how did we get to this state of fascism in our country? And one of the odd connections that I never would have thought to make is weekly world news, like I discussed. Yeah is owned by the same people who own various right-wing publications. Makes sense. Because the more you can get people to question the quote-unquote authorities Mm -hmm. on things, the more you can help them feel like they're in on it. Yeah. And then you get QAnon. And, you know, there's a few more steps in between. Just a few. But not as many steps as I want there to be. Yeah. And that was one of the interesting things when I was reading about the quote-unquote neocolonialism of Destination Truth. They're talking about the framework in which they're doing this research. Like, yes, there's the veneer of academia, but it's very much, okay, we're going to go find this undiscovered thing. Well, undiscovered by whom? Yeah. Uh, you know, do do you trust the indigenous peoples of this area? Plus you have that whole like, oh, I'm going to go roughing it in this third world country. With all of my technological gear. And it just gets a little icky and neocolonial. Um, a, a lot of things that white people do to be different and yeah. cool yeah. has that ick factor. Yeah. It was, the articles that I read were really interesting and I'd love to dig more deeply into it. Um, it was, yeah, it, it's amazing the things that you end up Googling when one sentence of one piece of research my this episode last episode my Mm. brain's just like weird connection google tell me more tell me more and then i go places that i didn't intend to and i make you all listen to it i'm here for it hell yeah (laughs) but yeah that's um that's what i got amanda that's amazing And I guess this concludes our first season of Graveyard Coffee Talk. Yeah. So, you know, when this episode comes out, I'll have an exact number for you guys on social. But we will have a a couple weeks where normally we would have a scheduled episode come out where we're we're taking a little bit of a break. Um, But we'll come back bigger and better than ever, huh? Yeah. We've already got some content planned out for this fall. Um. I think you guys are going to love it. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, I'm doing a lot of colonizer mindsets around folklore what? messes everything up. Um, Sounds fake. 
but okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm being I, an asshole. I'm aware. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for listening. You know, at 22 episodes and people are still tuning in every time we post. And that is wild. So unfathomable to me. So I just, again, want to say thank you guys so much for tuning in. We would probably still do this just to talk to each other about this cool stuff we find. Um, but it wouldn't be edited as nicely. No. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> if people I'm, weren't listening. I don't know how to tell you guys this, but I'm incredibly lazy. And I would not sit here and... <laughs> And spend time listening to the sound of my own goddamned voice. Jesus, who listens to me? Why? Why do you all do this to yourselves? Because uh, you're funny. <laughs> and you find interesting things. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Again, we'll see you guys. Uh, see y'all in uh, not September. August, September. I know how months work. Yeah. So, sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Seanan McGuire, copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at graveyardcoffeetalkpod or on Twitter at talkgraveyard. About three years later, the storm is starting. The